So we are continuing um, a sermon series called Luke, in which we are working through some of the major themes and stories in Luke. Um, And so today we are going to be talking about the upside-down kingdom, the concept of the upside-down kingdom. And so basically, if you've never heard this before, the idea is that our culture has norms. It, it has social and cultural norms that this is how the world works. This is what should happen. This is what's expo- you know, supposed to happen. And then God has it all backwards, basically. God has a different set of values and a different system in which he judges the world by, and he has different levels of expectations, and it's what's known as an upside-down kingdom. Our, our world's kingdom is like a triangle, and then God flips it upside down because he expects things that are different. And so, um, Elijah, this is your time. I talked to him beforehand. Elijah, can you come on up for me? Uh, Let's give it up for Elijah. He's going to help me demonstrate something real quick. So he has no idea what he's being called up here for. Um, I just told him, I'm going to pick on you for a second. And his dad said, make sure you embarrass him really badly. All right. So this is the idea. All right. I'm going to flip you upside down. I'm going to hold you by your legs and shake you until your lunch money comes out. All right? That's the idea. I'm just joking. Um, No, I am going to hold you upside down. If I tell you to look at your feet, look at your feet and tell me what is technically below you, all right? Which would be upwards. And then if I tell you to look up, you'd be looking towards your eyebrows, your forehead. Tell me what you see there. Does that make sense? So if I say, look at your feet, you tell me what you see. Look at your, your forehead. Tell me what you see. Is that cool? All right. So lay down this way. Actually, why don't you tuck in your shirt? We don't need to be seeing nothing. So first service, I didn't say that. I didn't catch it. And we were lifting him and I just reached down and had to like pull up his shirt. And I was like, it's a good thing you don't have a dress on today. You know what I mean? So, uh, (laughs) all right. So lay down with your feet facing me with your feet up in the air. There you go. All right. Hopefully, hopefully I can do this. Ready? All right. Ready? All right. Look up at your feet. What do you see there? The sky, the ceiling, right? Look down. What do you see? The floor. The floor. Do you see people? No. No. <laughs> All right. I can't see where your head. All right. Lift your head. I'm going to put you down. Your face is a little red there, man. All right. Let's give it up for Elijah. All right. Just turn. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. You got to stay here. All right. So when you were looking towards your feet, you saw this, right? Yeah. When you were looking towards your forehead, you saw this, or you saw these people, right? Here's my question. Were we seeing, like when we look up, we see the ceiling and the lights, but when he was looking down, that's what he was seeing. Were we upside down or was he? He was upside down, right? We're we're all aware. He was upside down, right? All right. Here's my thought process. Maybe God isn't the one who has the upside down kingdom. Maybe we are like Elijah. Maybe we are the ones who are viewing things the incorrect way. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to realign us and turn us right side up like how he's standing. Does that make sense to everybody? Let's give it up for Elijah one more time. You can go take a seat, man. So you never know how an illustration is going to work, especially with a teenager until you're like in the, in the moment. Because there's been plenty of times where I'm just like, all right, I need you to put your hand out. And they're like... And you're like, no, 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 you know what I want you to do. You know the answer, right? Um, I also do that with my daughter all the time, but she's 24 pounds, right? So it's a little bit different, like lifting her up. But I will say, is anyone like a parent and they've had like, well, obviously if you're a parent, you've had young kids before, but like uh, 
when you do something fun, like I, so I pick her up and I swing her and I say like, I call her a cuckoo clock and then I say, we're gonna go to three o'clock and then I swing her to three o'clock and I set her down and she gets up and she goes, mo, mo. Um, and so like, you know, after like the six or eight time, that 24 pounds, that feels like 48 pounds, right? And then it compiles. So I was like, hopefully you weigh uh, enough that I can actually hold you and, and talk at the same time, but you did it. So yeah, that, that's what we wanted. Here's the idea. Um, maybe we're like Elijah here. Maybe we are viewing the world backwards and God is attempting to realign us. He's attempting to set us straight. He's attempting to flip us the correct direction, but we're consistently just fitting in with those social norms. We're consistently just agreeing with what our culture tells us instead of what God tells us. So we're actually just seeing things backwards. So today we're gonna to be talking about the concept of the upside down kingdom, full well acknowledging that God is the one who has his kingdom right side up and we are the ones that are upside down. We are the ones that are twisted that need to realign ourselves to God. Does this make sense to everybody? Yeah. Cool. So um, we are gonna read our main scripture verse. So could everybody stand up for me? We're gonna read out of Luke 6 today. This is our main passage. And the reason we stand is because we do so in honor of God's word. We're gonna read this out loud together, all right? So on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Do to others as you would have them do to you. All right, has anyone ever heard that before? Yeah, all right. Maybe you just heard it as a normal phrase. Some, maybe you didn't even know that this was a scripture verse. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We're gonna read it one more time together. Ready? One, two, three. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Wouldn't our life, wouldn't our world be so much better if we constantly obeyed this rule? Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't our world change drastically if we were constantly doing to others as we would have them do to us? Because here's the thing. I don't want myself mistreated. So if I don't want myself mistreated, then I'm not gonna mistreat you because I'm doing to you as I would have done to me. All right, so Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can find out about your kingdom. Let us flip our ways, that way we are right side up in this world and uh, let us do to others as you would have us, or let us do to others as we would have done to ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, please speak through us and be with us during this service, amen. All right, before you get seated, let's go ahead, let's give a high five to the person around you, all right? Give a high five, say, it's nice to see you. Your beautiful, shining face. All right. I saw some like very ten like hesitant high fives, like, okay. And then other people are like, let me take your entire arm off, you know what I mean? Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about this passage. So we are mainly going to be working in Luke 6 today. Um, and this is a portion of scripture that, in all honesty, we could probably preach three sermons from it. It has so much, so much content, but we're going to be walking through something called the Beatitudes. Have you ever heard of the Beatitudes before? Yeah. Okay. So um, we are going to be working through the Beatitudes, but Luke's Beatitudes are a little bit different from Matthew. So Matthew in chapter 5 also has a version of the Beatitudes, and it happens at, uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, all right? Um, maybe some of you have heard of this, maybe some of you haven't. It's all right, we're gonna walk through some of the, some of the contrast between the two. Um, but I think that it would be wrong of me to just walk right past the idea um, that Matthew and Luke 
are supposed to be writing about the same Beatitudes, yet how they write about things and even um, the time and location are actually different um, in comparison to the ministry of Jesus. It, it's kind of a weird, um, the settings are different and how they describe things is actually different. So I wanted to hit through some stuff real quick, um, just talking about the context. So Matthew's version looks pretty different from Luke's, which we're going to be walking through. So let me talk about Matthew's version. So um, if you don't know Matthew, the book of Matthew was written to, uh, to Jews, all right? So uh, mainly out of Palestine. And if you don't know, uh, the Jewish culture, very, very different from the world around it. Uh, Luke is mainly writing to a Roman culture, all right? And uh, a Roman church. And so what we see with Matthew um, is I would give two main possibilities for there's multiple possibilities, but I would say the two main reasons that I kind of bring to this is uh, the first one with Matthew's version is that, A, he's writing to different people, like I said, um, but also he's writing to a totally different cultural and a totally different context than Luke is. Um, now, if he is writing as an internal blessing and as an internal struggle and, and, and challenge, if that makes sense. So Matthew when I say Matthew, think internal, all right? Luke, on the other hand, as we're going to read, is more of an external focus because he's writing to the poor and to the needy and to those who are of the lower class in the Roman world. Does this make sense, everybody? So Matthew is not writing to the people who don't have anything. He's writing to the people who are really battling with an inward focus. Um, so what we see in Matthew, and just to kind of go down the list a little bit, uh, we see blessed are the poor in spirit. So are they poor or are they poor in spirit? What Matthew's talking about is he's talking about an internal. They're poor in their spirit. Um, there's another one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We see that a lot in our world, don't we? We see that a lot in our culture where a lot of our needs are met. Most people don't go through your, you know, your daily life going hungry or thirsty in our, in our world. Uh, sorry, in our world that we live in right now. Obviously, we live in a first world country and most people uh, live well, well above the poverty line, um, especially in comparison to third world countries. Um, you know, you're not worrying about working for your $2 a day. That way you can go buy a cup of rice to bring home and feed your family. And that's what they're eating for dinner. When I was in Madagascar, that's what they would do. They would literally go work. They averaged about $2 a day. They would go get a cup of rice and that's what they would live off of. That was their meal. Um, we don't know necessarily that struggle, or most people don't know that struggle. Um, and so what Matthew's talking about is he's talking about a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. We have a hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness in our country, don't we? Like there's a lot of uh, moral injustice that people are thirsting and they're craving justice to happen in those things. And that's kind of similar to what Matthew's talking about. Um, another one is that they're persecuted because of righteousness. They're persecuted because of righteousness. Once again, that's an internal focus. All right, so the phrasings attest to an inward blessing, but also an inward challenge. Now, Luke, on the other hand, is writing outwards, which, like I said, we're going to talk. The second reason why I would say Matthew's version is a little bit different and why it would be different um, is because it's very, very much likely that Jesus spoke this passage and the Beatitudes multiple times. Now, we have roughly four chapters um, to discuss years of ministry of Jesus, right? You guys understand that? Like, there's no way that the disciples 
incorporated every single aspect and every single amazing statement of Jesus. Like, there's very much a possibility that he talked about way more things. Um, but I wonder, why do we have the things that we have that Jesus said? Well, one of the reasons would be the, the disciples highlighted those things thinking, these are really important things. Or maybe Christ went over them multiple times and they're like, I think if Christ is going over this multiple times, I think it's probably important to write down. Do you guys, do you guys understand what I'm saying? If someone is repeating multiple times, that probably means that they want you to grasp the thing that they're repeating, right? Have you ever had your spouse say like, are you listening to me? I'll repeat it again. Or like, like I don't want to repeat myself five times because there, there's a different understanding that comes with repetition. Um, so I, I, I have to say this for a minute, but like we as, as a world, we as a, an American culture especially, have really gotten away from the repetition and concerns with Christ, um, especially in concerns with scripture. Let me, let me explain. Um, did anyone, was anyone alive in the 90s or the early 2000s? All right, there should be quite a bit. All right. If you remember, um, there was a big push on driving scripture and Bible songs and, you know, felt boards and all these things, the Bible stories, they were driven into your mind if you grew up in church around that time frame. Um, why? Because it was A, important, but also, B, it's just the world that we grew up in. Like, I grew up not really knowing of much else of our outside world because my parents engrossed me so much in Scripture, so much in Bible stories. I watch Veggie Tales. Um, I, we listened to 95.5 The Fish on the radio. I didn't even know that there were other stations in existence. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I watched, does anyone remember Bible Man? Yeah, Bible Man, all right? I loved Bible Man. For my birthday one year, we had the power team come, and the power team were a bunch of Christians that were super strong, and they would, like, bend frying pans and, like, and, like, crow. Oh, it was awesome. They would, like, smash bricks with their head, and they would tell you scripture. Like, that is the kind of life that I grew up with. I grew up reciting scripture at dinner and before we went to bed, praying as a family and all these things, not because my parents are just amazing Christians, but also it's part of the world, right? It's part of the world that I grew up in. And I'm consistently over, I've been a youth pastor for five years. I've seen our students and our teens and our kids' literacy, biblical literacy rate, fall immensely. I want you guys to understand, it is an immense drop-off from what it used to be. And I'm not trying to say that those were the glory days and we suck now. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, it, it, it's partially true, but <laughs> no, obviously the past is in the past and we're never going to be able to be quite in that same state where then the internet does things to our, to our brains and our culture that we never could have foresaw. Um, but I do want to tell you guys, this is that everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants a piece of your brain. Everybody wants a piece of your child. And in a world that has so many things, so many things inputting you, there's a danger when we're not repeating the things that matter. Do you guys understand that? There's a danger when we're not repeating. Have you guys ever been watching a Netflix show or anything and like halfway through you just subconsciously turn it off and go and flip to something else and then you're like, oh, I just got bored with that show so I just decided to like change to something else. Have you guys ever done that? Because I know that I have. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my attention span is like next to nothing now, right? And that is something that we are raising our kids into. Parents, 
Don't you want to raise your kids that way when the world wants a piece of them, they are able to recite scripture or have the knowledge of God in their hearts and in their lives. That cannot be a once a week Sunday youth service or Sunday morning service type thing. That has to be a daily disciplined thing that happens in your household. Do you guys understand that? It has to be disciplined. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out parents for a second here. Obviously, I've only been a parent for a little bit, but I work with teenagers and I see the cost of parents who live an undisciplined life. I do. I see the cost. And it kills me. It really does kill me to see our students grow up knowing more about our culture and about pop singers and about our, uh, their Instagram. Uh, like, they know more about their TikTokers and their YouTubers than they know about our scripture. And then they claim to be Christians, and then an atheist comes up to them and says, well, the Bible says this. And they have no rebuttal, guys, because they don't know it. It angers me. Do you, guys, do you guys know that? It angers me because we are doing our children an injustice and a disservice. Be disciplined yourselves and then discipline your students to grow up the way that they need to be grown up. Amen. Do you guys understand? Discipline yourself and then discipline them. I hate to say it, but like sports, I've talked about it before, sports are like a god in our culture. Why? Why are we worshiping sports more than God? Why are we allowed to skip church or youth for random friend hangouts and that kind of stuff? Is it negotiable? I was unaware of that. I was unaware that living life in my parents' household, it was negotiable to go to church. It was not. And the funny thing is they said, you don't have to go to our church, but you're going to church. Like, we're missing something, everybody. We're missing something. And I'm going to get to my, back to my point here. Jesus repeated the things that mattered. And I want you guys to understand that you also need to repeat the things that matter. If you want to see change, you need to be the change. All right? Don't just complain on Facebook. Be the change that you want to see in a generation. Cool? All right, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'm going to move on. I hope it drove in. I hope, I hope the point is there. By the way, we do youth tonight at 6 p.m. <laughs> we do kids' church every Sunday, and we do events for both. Get them plugged in, please. For the love of everything, get them plugged in. Cool. So there is a uniqueness that comes with these passages, that comes with these beatitudes. There's a uniqueness, and I think God uses this uniqueness in order to emphasize the point that he can, he writes specifically to certain people in order to reach certain people. And he's going to use you where you're at to reach people that are like you, that are at the place that you're at. So you're never too far from God to be used, just like Matthew and Luke wrote. Totally different, but they were still used by God. So let's get into this a little bit. Let's get into the Luke Beatitudes, all right? Um, so I'm going to read through it really quick, and then I have a little chart, so you'll kind of see it. So uh, this is, in contrast, this is our Luke 6 passage. Blessed are you who are poor. So once again, Notice, not poor in spirit, you're physically poor, right? Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Also, um, the now statements. If you weep now, if you hunger now, what does that give hope to? Future. The future. You have hope that in the future you will not hunger. You're hungering now, all right? So there's a hope for the future here. Blessed are you who, when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. So we rejoice and leap for joy because of our reward in heaven. Is that an earthly reward? No, we're going to get back to that. It's a heavenly reward, right? For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. And then let's get into the woes. So right here, we're going to see, we saw the blessed. Now we see the woes and they're, uh, they're in contrast to each other. But woe to you who are rich for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when people, or sorry, when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So I have a little bit of a breakdown here. It's a little chart, all right? So hopefully you can all see this. So there's a direct contrast, right? So we have blessed are and woe to. So let's go through this real quick. Blessed are the poor um, and then woe to the rich. Now, this actually kind of compares as well to the hungry and the full. Now, we, once again, I kind of talked about this already, we live well above the poverty level in America, right? So, blessed are the poor and the hungry and woe to the rich and the full. Now, Jesus is very clearly making um, a, a push that it is not wrong to have wealth. It is not wrong to be full in your belly. The issue comes is when we are pushing the poor and the hungry aside, or if we're abusing our richness and our fullness, when, when we're taking things from those who don't have anything, and when we're like egotistical about the way that we do things, like, like look at all my blessings, I'm so awesome, ha ha ha, you're gonna get what's coming to you. That's what Jesus is saying. Does that make sense? You've already received what you have. You're not gonna enjoy eternity. But on the other hand, the blessing is for the poor and the hungry, those who, who need things, right? He's writing to the lowest class of, the, of the, the Romans. He's trying to give them hope. He's trying to give them hope. Um, we have to remember that our, our core verse is do to others as you would have them do to you in response to the poor and the rich. You want others to treat you, whether you're poor or rich, the way that you would want to be treated, right? All right, so let's keep moving. Everyone wants to be happy, which is the idea behind this, blessed are you who weep and woe to you who are laughing. That does not mean that you are incorrect in laughing, right? I love to laugh. That's not what, what, um, what Jesus is talking about. Um, he, is, he is talking about a, a chasing after a desire to always be happy, to chase after every whim and every desire of your flesh, all right? That is an issue. In, in case you don't realize, if you give up your long-term joy for short-term happiness, you're going to live a rough life. Do you guys understand that? Sometimes long-term joy comes with hardship and discipline right here, right now. Uh, I talked about disciplining yourself and your kids, right? If you want to see a long-term joy of them living a life in Christ, then you have to be disciplined and do the hard things now. Do you guys all get that? Um, Chris Pratt, do you guys know who Chris Pratt is? All right, so Chris Pratt, he was in like Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and he is, 
he's a muscular dude in these two movies, right? He's got his six pack, he's got his muscles, and he's, all right? He was also in a show before those things called Parks and Rec. Have you guys ever watched Parks and Rec? All right, so Parks and Rec, he's kind of a chunkier, comedic, funny guy, all right? That's just what he is. Um, and he was in an interview recently, he was talking about his fitness, and he was talking about how when he was doing the show Parks and Rec, he would go out to eat and he loved to eat, like he loved it. And he would go out to eat with the cast and he would get like two burger meals and he would like get all the toppings and he just enjoyed savoring the food and he would eat all this food all in abundance. And then he said, and then afterwards I felt like crap. Like for the rest of the day, my body just, it, I felt terrible. I had a hard time acting sometimes because I felt so terrible. And he said, but now I eat, like I hate what I eat. I eat rice and I eat chicken and it's terrible, but I love how I feel. What he is doing, what he's, exam, when he, what he's exemplifying is the fact that he gives up his desires for a moment in order to live with a happy body the rest of the day. Does that make sense, everybody? Giving up of long-term joy for short-term happiness hurts you in the long run, all right? If I chase after every single woman on the street, that might provide me with some short-term happiness, but it's going to take away from the joy of my situation, my love, and my life with my wife and my daughter in the future, all right? If I chase after every single happiness, it hurts me long-term, okay? so. Let's get on to, the, the, to uh, when you are hated, all right? Blessed are you when you are hated and spurned and woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Um, I, I have to make this clarifying statement. I, I gotta keep moving. But when you are hated and spurned, there's a statement that comes afterwards because of the Son of Man. When you are hated because of the Son of Man, that's where the blessing is. If you are an annoyance who only ever wants to talk about themselves and they only ever think about themselves and people hate you and they don't want to be around you, that's on you. That's not a blessing. Do you guys understand? You're not going to receive an eternal blessing for being a narcissist. Yeah. All right? Like, people are like, oh my gosh, I hate that guy. He never, you know, he always betrays his coworkers. He always does this. He always does this. He always does this. That, you're not going to receive an eternal blessing for that. No, no. You receive an eternal blessing when you are hated because of the truth of Christ when you value what Christ values and you are hated for it, that's where blessing is. And same as when everyone speaks well of you, I hate to say it, but Hitler had someone telling him that he was doing a good job. If you fill your life with yes people, then you're going to have a hard life because no one is there to try and like, I would much rather have friends that actually tell me the hard truths and occasionally break me down because they want to see me built up better. Wouldn't you guys rather have that? So woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, because that's also how they used to talk about the prophets. All right. So we get back to our core verse at this point in the passage, it says Luke 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. And we see kind of an explanation. Oh, sorry, I skipped kind of a portion. I'm gonna read it real quick. It says this, uh, Luke 6, 27 through 30. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. This is the upside down backwards kingdom that we're talking about, right? If someone punches me in the face, do I want to be like, no, I want to beat the snot out of them. 
Does that make sense? I, I was driving the other day, and I'm not joking. The light turned green on a left-hand lane, right? I'm releasing my foot. I'm releasing my foot, and I get honked at from behind. Like, I'm talking, it, maybe a second went by, and then I look in my rearview mirror, and there's this woman going, <laughs> and I felt my hand start creeping up. What actually happened, or what actually I wanted to do, I wanted to throw my cart and park until I saw a yellow light and then take off. That's what I wanted to do, right? But I didn't do it. I didn't do it because I want to live in the upside down kingdom. Yes. I want to live different from our social norms. Don't you want to live different? It means that you have to do things that are totally uncomfortable for you. It means doing things that are totally against everything that yourself is saying. I demand you return my stuff. If someone takes your wallet, they rob you, do you go to your car and open it up and say, actually, I have 20 more dollars in here. Let me grab that for you. No. But Christ is telling us to give the shirt when they take our cloak. It is a backwards way of thinking to our social norm. And that's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand. So let's keep going. Luke 6, 20, uh, uh, 6, 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Jesus gives an explanation. He gives a reasoning for why he is talking about this. So it says this. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Even sinners love those who love them. It's not hard. You're just doing what's expected. Yep. Do I come home to my wife and say, hey, baby. I didn't cheat on you today. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it's expected of me not to do that. Right? It's expected. She doesn't praise me. Oh, you are the best husband in the world. I would love it if she did that. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> you are the best husband in the world. You were faithful to me today. No, because that's what the expectation is, right? If we simply love those who love us, you're no different from every other person in the world. You're no different from every other person, all right? Let's keep reading. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. This is a core statement right here. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend, them with, or lend to them without expecting to get anything back. That is, that is backwards. That is upside down right there. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. You would not make a good credit union, all right? All right? Actually, I think that's what the casinos are doing, right? They're lending to you without getting anything back. That's why they're able to make their amazing buildings. Um, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. And this is a key statement as well. Because he, everybody say because he. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, be merciful just as your father is merciful. I'm going to hit that because he in a second. But I want you guys to understand that Jesus is giving a reason for these beatitudes. He's giving reasoning. And that is, and he's trying to teach this important lesson that goes with this reasoning. It says, if you want something, give it away. If you want something, if you crave something, you give it away. That's really hard. Have you guys ever been on a team with a ball hog? Does anyone know what a ball hog is, right? Ball hog is someone who only ever takes and then they think that they are the cat's meow and they think that they are the greatest thing that God has ever put on this earth and so they want to shoot or they want to run or they want to do something and they never give the ball up. So when you pass them the ball, do you get it back? Yeah. 
No, you never do. I played basketball with this guy when I was in high school, and we knew he was notorious for doing it. And I, I just have to say, he had an atrocious shot. It was awful. I don't know why he built himself up the way. Like, you would pass him the ball, he'd be six feet beyond the arc, and he'd be like, like, I'm not joking. That's kind of how it looked. And I have to say this. I love playing with students who shoot like that because they learn real quick they ain't going to do it on me because I just swat them and I volleyball spike it into the next dimension. That is my favorite thing about youth ministry right there. All right? <laughs> it's my favorite thing, all right? Caleb Kennedy, he was here first service. Uh, Jordan's over there right now. They can tell you I do not put give it easy on when we're playing basketball. It, like, if you want to make a bad mistake and you want to try and drive on me, I will swat you into the next dimension. And I love every second of it. But I also want you guys to understand, I do it, A, for my own egotistical personal reasons. Yes, I love being the strongest person in the room, of course. You know, but, no, but I also do it because I, I want them to know I'm not taking it easy on them. I want you to mature and I want you to grow and I want you to be better and I ain't taking it easy on you. I might let you score some points. I might, you know, go 50%. But as soon as that score is close, right, I start, I start sweating. I'll start actually trying. And if they beat me, they know that they beat me. And that's a really cool thing for me because I want them to walk up and be like, yo, Pastor Matt, you remember when I caught that football? Like, there's one student, he caught a pass over top of my head during the Turkey Bowl this last year, and he has never let me live it down. <laughs> and I smile every single time I do it. Because he doesn't remember losing. He doesn't remember losing, but he does remember beating me in that moment. Yes. And that's perfectly okay with me. Yes. Because I want him to grow and I want him to build up. All right. Anyways, all that to say, ball hog, right? What if you were the person who just took and took and took and you were in an empty well that was just never full? Do you think your family or your friends or your coworkers want to give anything to you? No, they don't want to. What if we lived in a community in which we gave things, never expecting anything back and constantly took over each other's needs? That may sound like a utopian society, but that is what the early church did. They sold their property, they sold their houses, and they gave to the poor and the needy. That's what they did, right? In a life group, I don't know if you guys are in life groups, you should be. There is an understanding, especially in our life group, that when someone is sick, when they're having a baby, when they're doing these different things, we just give them meals. We just give them prayer. We just help them out in different ways. Not expecting anything back, but because we're in a community that loves and cherishes each other and we want to see the other people succeed and do well, right. right? I don't want to see my friends suffer, so I will give to them, never expecting anything back. That is the Christ community that Jesus wants for us, all right? Let's give. If you want something, let's give it away. That's what Jesus wants for us, all right? In conclusion, I want to talk about this because he statement, all right? Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. God does not expect you to do things that he has not already done himself. He does not ex expect you to, to go a life without sin and say like you're on your own. No, no, he lived a life as a man and lived without sin. Yes. Do you guys understand that? He says, I want you to give things away. I want you to give away your life did he give away his life? Yes. yes. So he's fulfilling the expectation because he, 
because he shows that he was already willing to do it himself. He was already willing to live in a countercultural, upside down kingdom. Do you want to see people the right way? Do you want to act like Jesus did? Good. You should try to flip the kingdom upside down. You should try to do that. Uh, there's a, a verse in Acts. It's, it says this. But when they did not find him, they dragged Jason and some brethren um, to the rulers of the city, crying out, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And they're talking about Christians in this moment. They're talking about persecuting Christians. Notice that statement. Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want the legacy of your children to be? I, I think of like world turning up, like upside down in a few different things, right? Like we think of um, like the Revolutionary War, right? That turned our world upside down. Uh, the Civil Rights Movement turned the world upside down, right? Imagine if 50 years from now, they said in 2000 and, you know, 2023, Harvest Ridge Church began a movement that turned the world upside down. Or they said, Zach started a movement that turned the world upside down. Do you not want that to be your legacy? Do you not want that to be the thing that you do? Here's the thing. You cannot turn the world upside down if you are not aligned with Christ. You cannot do it. If you continue to think and get motivated by and, and are controlled by our culture and our world, you will not turn the world upside down. You will just continue to be part of the non-going river that just rushes that way. If you want to go against the river, you have to go with Jesus. And so what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to do a, do a little calling here. I'm going to give two different calls, but I'm going to describe what, what's going to happen. The first one is going to be for those of you who have never decided they wanted to flip their life upside down, that they never wanted, or that they've never given their hearts to Christ. We're, we're going to pray a prayer for that. We're going to do it all together. That way no one's alone, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I want you to start thinking, am I living my life the way that this world wants me to, or am I living the way that Christ wants me to? And if if you're living the way the world wants you to, you need to realign yourself. You need to flip your world upside down. The second call that I'm going to give is this. Do you need to realign your life with Christ? Maybe you did it years ago, and maybe you're like, heck, even in this past week, I have just sinned, and I messed up, and, and I am wrong. Maybe this is just a realigning moment. It doesn't mean that your entire life has been a fail, but maybe this past week you need to, you need to make some changes. That's going to be the second call. So with every eye clouds and every head bowed, let's, let's go ahead and do this. We're going to pray together, but I, like I said, I'm going to give this call. If you need to say to Jesus, I want to be where you are, I want to fulfill your expectations, and I want to live a life with you, I want to see you raise your hand. If this is your first time doing it, raise your hand. Yes. Awesome. All right, and the second one, if you're saying, man, I have been living the way that my, the world wants me to live. I am living in the pattern that this world wants me to live in, and I need to be flipped upside down, and I need to realign myself with you. Go ahead and raise your hand right now. Hands all over this room. So no one prays alone here at Harvest Ridge. We're all going to pray together. 
And if you gave your life to Christ for the first time, there's a table in the back and please go talk to Pastor Jesse afterwards um, because he has some next steps for you. But let's go ahead. We're all going to pray here together. All right. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help me align myself with you. Please forgive me of my sins because I know I have done wrong. Please walk with me every day of my life and send your Holy Spirit to guide me. Please be with me, love me, and let me love you. God, thank you, and please walk with me. Amen. Amen. If you said that and you meant it, God took you at your word and he wants to walk in life with you and he wants to flip your world upside down and he just did it. So Pastor Jesse's back there. I want you to go talk to him. Um, If you have something that you want to say, I would love to hear. Pastor Kevin will be here as well. We'd love to hear what you have to say um, about your world being flipped upside down. But other than that, I just want to say blessings. God has blessed you. Let's walk in that blessing. All right. Have a good day.